Hi, everyone. Welcome to Finding Anchor, Parenting in the New Non-Normal, a podcast for parents and their teens. My name is Tim Cavell. And I'm Phyllis Fagel. Tim and I are both authors and therapists who work with parents, teens, and families. I wrote the book, Middle School Matters, The 10 Key Skills Kids Need to Thrive in Middle School and Beyond, and How Parents Can Help. And I wrote a book for therapists called Working with Parents of Aggressive Children. We both also work in schools. Phyllis is the counselor at Sheridan School, a K-8 school in Washington, D.C., and I teach at the University of Arkansas in the Department of Psychological Science. The past year has been hard on many of us. We are still dealing with a global pandemic, even after months of being locked down and staying socially distanced. Our aim with each podcast episode is to offer support, information, hope, and affirmation to parents and teens, especially those who are struggling emotionally during these tough times. Finding Anchor is a five-part limited series presented by Trestle Tree. New episodes will air every Wednesday. You can listen and subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you do your listening. On today's episode of Finding Anchor, Phyllis and I will be joined by Dr. Clarissa Escobar Aguilar. Dr. Aguilar is a licensed clinical child and family psychologist living and working in San Antonio, Texas. She grew up in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas and earned her bachelor's degree at Baylor University and her PhD from Texas A&M University. Clarissa completed her psychology internship at Providence St. John's Child and Family Development Center in Santa Monica, California, which, by the way, is where she met her husband, Dr. Benito Aguilar, who is also a clinical child and family psychologist. She and her husband have two boys, one in middle school and one in high school. Clarissa is a behavioral health consultant in primary care at the Center for Healthcare Services in San Antonio. And this is a clinic that serves individuals who have chronic or severe mental illness, often with a co-occurring substance use or other chronic health condition. And Clarissa sees her work as an effort to increase access to mental health services, especially for the Latino population. So our plan today is to visit with Clarissa to learn about her experiences over the past year as a resource for her patients, as well as a resource for her own family. So welcome, Dr. Aguilar. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. A question that I asked of Phyllis before was, uh, if you had to have pick one word to describe what it's been like for parents or for kids this past year, any words come to mind? Overwhelming in the sense that I feel like our lives were stopped short, upended, turned upside down, shaken around, (laughs) mixed in with uh, a lot of fear. There was a lot of worry. My son has asthma and that was like an immediate concern. Like, oh, he has asthma. What's going to happen? Somebody going to get sick. And then also just everything that happened at work with us as many other clinics shut down and we all had to work from home and create all these new processes. That was very difficult while juggling the children being at home nonstop. And then getting really bored being at home and having to really contend with kind of where we are in this age of um, digital video games, YouTube sorts of things. As a child psychologist, I have (laughs) feelings about how much exposure my kids should get to (laughs) all those things. So that was a kind of a very long road and has been still. So I guess that's what I kind of meant by underwhelmed. It was really hard for some hours sometimes in our home altogether, even though it was, you know, there are blessings there too, but it was both. We were so fortunate. Uh, We actually all got COVID. And the blessing is that none of us were hospitalized. None of us uh, had any serious complications thus far. 
so that felt like a blessing, even though it was, it was at the time, I think there's that overwhelming, underwhelming thing again. Like I was so overwhelmed and confused and how I was going to um, manage everything while being sick. We had to like quarantine inside the house away from the boys. And that was really hard, but it felt like a blessing that we were all okay. My extended family has been for the most part. Okay. We did have a few people pass that actually wasn't related to COVID uh, as far as we know. I don't know. I'm supposed to be talking about blessings. So That's okay. No, no, no. No, go go where your heart takes you. Definitely. And I think that every, I love that mix of overwhelming and underwhelming because it is, it's this alternately feeling terrified and bored and those extremes and those ups and downs, I think make parenting really challenging because parents are having ups and downs alongside their kids. And especially if you introduce an added element, like actually getting COVID and it sounds like your kids had it as well. Were they also symptomatic? So they they were symptomatic and we ended up not getting them tested because we just assumed when we consulted with the doctor, he was like, well, you might as well just assume positive and treat any symptoms that come up. And they both did have very different uh, symptom presentations. So one of my son got a pretty high fever, uh, you know, not feeling, didn't have a lot of energy the next day, but was okay after just about 24 hours. My other son was vomiting (laughs) because he's a vomiter (laughs) and so that was also hard but again like I felt like we were really trying to move towards what was positive but like you said you're terrified and then just stuck bored at home in that tension between the opposites I just has feel like really has defined what all this is right like I have no idea what we're going to do next in general but we're going to turn on this movie right now (laughs) right (laughs) I know exactly what I'm going to do in this moment but I have no idea what's going to guide the rest of my life right it's this I don't know that paradox or you know back and forth it really has felt that way and I don't know how else to, I guess I explained it by over and under yeah no that's perfect when you put on your psychologist hat you know you have that dual hat you're a mom and you're a psychologist and you're trying to support your kids they might be scared because you were sick or they might feel like they're spending an enormous time online and yet still don't feel connected to friends and I don't know if they were learning virtually or in person but what are some of your go-to strategies for supporting your own kids that might be helpful to other parents listening. <laughs> I talk about that all the time, that dual hat of psychologist and mom. Oh, what a blessing and what a curse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody else. There yes. Is. Let's get the facts right. There are two of you that are parents that are psychologists. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's right. You have yeah, to. your spouse. <laughs> exactly. You know, we're supposed to know it all, right? Uh, it's so funny how we... <laughs> We always say, we always kind of joke with each other, like, is there some kind of expert, child expert right here that could help us figure out (laughs) what to do next? Because we don't know. (laughs) But that being said, it's been very hard for me to divorce my psychologist self from my parent self. They're very mutually informed. Part of what I do, I use so much of what I've learned and, you know, so much of my education with the boys as much as I can. What we did and have kind of continued to do, it's kind of a theme from COVID, like these practices that kind of got generated that I've carried forward, is we started taking drives in the car, these long drives. San Antonio is very spread out and there's kind of some um, hill country further north that's like very beautiful. During those days where we were just, you know, (laughs) could not stand each other one more minute, I'd be like, okay, guys, let's get in the car. And it turned into just our favorite time of the day because my boys who are 13 and 11 don't like to have these deep conversations with their mom all the time. <laughs> but 
when you're strapped in a seatbelt and you can't move in the car, the conversations that got generated were amazing. And I just thought, boy, where has this practice been all of our lives, right? Like this wow. is so cool that we were able to take these long drives up to the hill country. You know, I never really started with a serious conversation. And we always started off with like, who's going to play DJ? And so we had to have like a rotating DJ, right? Um, <laughs> which was great because I got to play one of my songs from the 80s. And then, you know, Emiliano gets to play his rap song. And Kali would get to play his, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, he's going to kill me. That boy band song. He loves this boy band. They broke up. It was, a, it was a big deal. But anyway, so he plays his and it was a lot of fun. That probably was maybe the best thing that we did together as a family. It generated like great conversation and it gave us some time to actually have fun and feel happy, which I feel like that got lost like, in yes. our house. In the world, Clarissa, they got lost. Yeah. And also just, you know, you have a 13 and an 11 year old boy, which is an age where when you put them in a situation where you don't have to have eye contact, where eye contact is optional, <laughs> you do learn so much more. I say that as the parent of two boys as well. It can feel very intrusive or invasive to have a parent looking you in the eye and asking you something that to you is not even personal. My, right. You know, it can be something very vague, like what did you learn at school today? And it can feel invasive. So I, I love the strategy of the card for getting the conversation started and also for mixing it up and introducing some fun in this endless marathon of a year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm not even sure how it occurred to me to do it. I just think I couldn't stand being in the house one more minute and kind of in that fight and tension of get off the video game for the hundredth time. <laughs> right. You literally had to remove them. We literally were just like, that's it. We're getting the car. And of course we couldn't really go anywhere either. Right. Everything was shut down. There wasn't a destination. I we were just going to drive to drive and they were pretty confused, but it turned into like, Hey, are we going to do that drive again? Heck yeah, we are. <laughs> like, Let's go. And you ended up having substantive conversations. Absolutely. So I ended up learning so much about, you know, maybe things that you don't think to ask your children, right? Their preferences for music. I realized that they were a little bit obsessed with 80s music, which I, I didn't even realize. And they knew all these songs that I kept playing. And I thought, how did that happen? And so there was information that I had, you know, was new to me. And then also I was able to kind of talk about, you know, when I was this age, this was a song that meant that I would sing because the boy didn't like me. Do y'all have those songs, right? Did y'all? I love that. And so it was a sharing of my own experience. They're like fascinated because when have they ever asked me a question like that? <laughs> you know, it doesn't happen, that conversation, but it came up in the context. Those were great moments, those car rides. That's lovely. Finding Anchor, Parenting in the New Non-Normal is brought to you by Trussell Tree, a health transformation company founded on the belief that anyone, regardless of their level of motivation, can change difficult health behaviors and sustain those changes long-term. For the past 20 years, Trussell Tree has helped employers lower their healthcare costs through engaging and influencing employees and family members to holistically improve health conditions such as diabetes, obesity, stress, high blood pressure, and tobacco addiction. A supporting sponsor for this podcast is Foreign Service Benefit Plan, focusing on the mental wellness for all members. 
To learn more about Trussell Tree, visit www.trussletree.com. That's www.trussletree.com. And now, back to the show. You told me that among your boys, you have a reputation of being rather strict on the video games. Yes. <laughs> Is that, and did they talk about that? Yes. I mean, it comes up and it has come up now because now we're trying to kind of move backward. My, my boys like to say like, well, we love playing on video games and you all are so strict with us. They are constantly arguing for, you know, more, more time. We are known for being very strict. There's a joke amongst my middle schoolers friends that we're the... He actually calls us the Karens. Uh, like, oh, well, your mom's a Karen, and that's why you can't get off <laughs> the video game. So, you know, I don't know. It's It did come up, and it had come up quite a bit. And we are constantly negotiating that time, and I'm so tired of it, to be honest. It is going to be hard to pull kids back afterwards when this is all over. And I don't think you're alone in loosening all of the rules. Uh, pretty universal at this point. It's almost impossible to avoid, especially since electronics are how kids are connecting with their friends, how they're learning, how they're doing everything. So it can feel like you're resting them away from their friends if you take away the screen. Yes, and they've said as much. And here in Texas, you all know, say things really have been lifted. The mask order has been lifted. Restaurants are now open 100%. The boys have gotten back to basketball. There is a lot more activity happening and there's a lot more kind of socialization outside the house. We are in that mode of trying to like pull the reins back, which has been very painful. And so we're now in this thing of like, okay, we're back to Monday through Thursday, no video games. And boy, it is. <laughs> I mean, they, they still feel like they can negotiate that every <laughs> morning. <laughs> that is their job. They are 11 and 13. <laughs> Pivoting a little bit because you mentioned Texas and how there's no mask mandate right now, which is shocking to hear from Washington, D.C., where we don't even have schools open yet. Just to imagine that there are sports leagues and school and no masks, you know, it's a whole different universe. And there are so many cultural differences beyond that. And I know you work with the Latino population and there, I'm sure there are some unique observations you've made in terms of supporting kids in your community that I'm sure would be useful for others who are listening. In terms of the families that we serve and try to help daily, I think we've had to counter in the clinic and, I, and this, you know, this comes you know, as y'all know, y'all have been living in the same country that I have. Although there are regional differences, like there's been this advent of anti-racism in healthcare. This idea that there are real health disparities between some of the, well, the families that I see and maybe in other parts of the, of even our city. All those things have kind of come together. Like it's, it's hard for me to talk about like what, how we help families navigate these things because there is such an awareness of some of the other issues that were surfaced at the same time. A lot of this empathizing with families, normalizing, you know, kind of what I hear you say, like, you know, everybody's struggling with this in the same way, which is so helpful to hear. But at the same time, also, I think it was helpful for our families to understand that we wanted to help them no matter what language they spoke, no matter their immigration status, no matter where they came from, we were still interested in helping people. I'm lucky in the sense that I work at a clinic where I'm a psychologist in primary care tandem and I work alongside a primary care provider. This primary care provider is also a bilingual Latina woman. We love seeing our, our Spanish-speaking families and they love coming in, right? Because 
where else do they get to kind of see their medical provider, see the psychologist without the translator, without the interpreter? And they kind of can connect with us in a way that they aren't able to connect with other people because of some of that shared experiences that we've had. So I think a lot of what we did was dispel some of the folklore that's out there about COVID, about you know all this family information that gets passed along about what's true and what isn't. And so it did feel good to help people understand. And it's as if we were the last word. Well, what do you all think about this? Is it okay for us to get the vaccine? What have you heard? Uh, I've heard that I should get the first vaccine, but not the second, because the second is the one that is really bad for you or that might have something in it where you might get tracked by someone. I don't want ICE to come get us, those sorts of things. It felt really good to be helpful in, in that particular way with some of our families. I guess the other kind of big population that I see are the teenagers and children that are transitioning into adulthood and the impact it had, COVID had, on helping people become, or the negative impact it had on people trying to become an adult. That became extraordinarily difficult and so much harder for the people that we serve. That has been painful. And I think the other thing, maybe because we work in a primary care setting, even though all the individuals we serve have a severe mental illness. Um, it was very hard for people to take care of their regular health needs. Um, that was another huge issue. We really had to try to help people, help them continue to maintain. It wasn't vacation, right? Quarantine wasn't a time for you to stop checking your blood sugars. It's a time for you to maybe be more mindful of those things. So those reminders and um, phone calls and outreach were really kind of key as well. This is a tiny bit off topic, but do you have any thoughts on what schools can do based on what you saw with children or any other adults, coaches, anyone who's listening in other fields who work with kids or who might work with kids who have a different background or have a a different culture and might have more anxiety or might have had different experiences during the quarantine, ways to support them? Here in San Antonio, the majority of schools were kept open in some capacity. And a lot of people were attending schools. I know in my home, which is further south and on the border, almost no one was going to school at all. And there was a really big shift in how teachers related to children. Those relationships are probably maybe even more important. I know that my boys have really felt very special, felt very happy when their teacher remembered something about them, when their teacher uh, identified something unique about them, because we felt more disconnected um, and because school really hasn't the same, you know, Zoom classroom or Google classroom is more of the mode. It felt really special and nice to have that personalized, I don't know, detail about somebody's life. I think that can go a long way and verbalizing what we know. And I know a lot of schools and teachers and coaches do this all the time, kind of verbalizing strengths. It's just been so hard for everyone. Maybe what might've been very natural in the you know regular day-to-day context of school, kind of that micro-affirmation culture uh, is got a little bit lost because of COVID. So maybe trying to infuse some of that. At the same time, I hesitate saying that because I know how hard it's been for me <laughs> on my day-to-day <laughs> to try to find that you know morsel of positivity, that nugget, and to generate that out loud to somebody else, that's hard. I actually, I think that's great advice for parents too. I think it's very easy to fall into the trap of focusing on a deficit and believing we're helping a child, whereas often we get farther if we focus on their strengths to help that address whatever those growth edges are. But that 
reminder to give our kids those micro affirmations to remind them what's special about them and what we see in them. And I think some of the need for that comes from the lack of competency I think kids are feeling. Some of it is the older teens who have had a harder time transitioning to adulthood. And some of it is kids who struggled with virtual learning. Maybe they were not as successful on that platform or kids who didn't even have access to technology and just felt completely disconnected from the learning process. So remembering to give kids that positive feedback, whatever role you play in the the child's life, I think is a great, great reminder. So important. Clarissa, I have a question about how do you, you said, you know, sometimes it can be hard to find that those positive morsels as a parent. How do you and your husband, how do you renew? How do you refuel yourselves? How do you keep doing it? What have you learned as parents to try to stay in there and not get completely burned out? That's a great question. Burnout, right, is the <laughs> kind of the key term there, right? I, I will tell you something, a practice I developed, COVID, you know, a total COVID practice for me that I feel has been completely refueling and something I'm definitely going to carry forward has been using meditation. I mean, taking some of my own advice, right? I'm constantly talking about a meditative practice with you know, all the patients that I see, but hardly ever, I mean, to be honest, I hardly ever did that myself. I, I felt like I had to dig really deep <laughs> and I felt like I was getting really burnt out. Like, boy, this is getting so much harder than it normally is. And I need to find a way to renew. Can you describe sort of how you started it? Sure. Well, I, I use an app <laughs> and the app has been really helpful. Which app do you use? I use Headspace. Okay. Uh, and so Headspace, actually, what they did is they, I don't know where it got advertised, but if you were a healthcare practitioner, they offered it to you for free right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I downloaded it. You need your MPI number and you download it. And I, I did that. And then I think it sat on my phone for, I don't know how long before <laughs> I actually opened it. But when I did, I was thought like, boy, there is a treasure trove of peace and calm that is intrinsic to me. And I can, that is an endless supply of love and, and peace if I can access it. And I can do that with my children. And I can do that if I access it myself. And it suddenly felt, and again, like I think Tim and I have talked a lot about this. It is in my research. Like if you're gonna talk to Latina moms, you have to talk about intervening for your children. <laughs> That's the only way to get the like, true. <laughs> somewhat true. Like I didn't feel guilty about it, taking all this time to myself if I was doing it for my family, yes. uh, which is interesting. I mean, maybe not the most healthy thing to say, but it is true, right? Like it made it so much easier for me to, to be like, I can renew myself and I can be a little bit more positive with the boys. If I do my little five to 10 minute practice. That's excellent. It, it, well, it, it, made, it has made all the difference. And now I find myself craving, especially like on a day like today, <laughs> um, no, I need my time. I cannot wait to get my quiet time. I love that. Wow, I think that's a great reminder for everybody listening and probably a good place to maybe end this session. And hopefully it's a good reminder to everybody as they get off this Zoom that when they take care of themselves, they are taking care of their children. I think that's common across all kinds of cultures that it's hard to put yourself first. I think maybe even more so for moms sometimes. Yes. I think so. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. 
And that's our show. Special thanks today to our presenting sponsor, Trussell Tree. To learn more about the good work they do, visit www.trusseltree.com. You can listen and subscribe to Finding Anchor on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you do your listening. If you liked this episode, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing the show with a friend. We'll be back next Wednesday with a new episode. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye now.